0: Hey, welcome to the Three Twenty Club podcast. I'm your host, Whiskey. <laughs> I'm tired, I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired.
1: That was so bad. <laughs> We're keeping that one.
0: <laughs> welcome to the Three Twenty club, oh, club? It club podcast. Why is it called the Three Twenty Club? It was that's a brain fart twice or no. Welcome to the Three Twenty Club podcast. Why is it called the Three Twenty Club? Yeah, 420 was already taken. And it's happy hour somewhere else. I'm your host, Whiskey, and I'm with. <laughs> hey, man.
1: I'm Rox, and we brought a very <laughs> special guest today. Please Don't piss welcome the. To... Not that fucking special. <laughs> Smoky back. That's <laughs> it. We brought we brought Smoky back uh, for anybody who's uh, who's. Uh, I guess. Well, you you did what you did an episode with us. Quite a while ago, like a few Many months ago. Night. Yeah, it was good. We almost took you off your of Facebook page. <laughs> no longer. Yeah, friends, we almost. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. But uh, so I figure, uh, has have either of you seen? Okay, first of all, we got to ask a question. Have either of you seen Game of Thrones? And if you haven't, why are we here? <laughs>
2: I stopped watching after that kid got murdered. Oh, okay. <laughs> which one? Please
1: specify which
2: one. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of kids that get murdered. The really <laughs> shitty king.
1: So you there's a lot of the, shitty kings. <laughs>
2: yeah, so you sent me that video clip of uh, I can't remember the kid's name, was but it, uh, he was murdered. Was Joffrey was,
1: Joffrey? Yes,
0: King Joffrey was murdered. Well, you missed the part right. where his brother jumps off the balcony.
1: Aww. Oh, you just spoiled it for him. That sucks. By the way, this is going to be very spoiler heavy, folks. It <laughs> brings a tear to my eye, like a good so, tear. So while Smokey goes and catches up on like what four seasons of content, cool. <laughs> I, I figured you know the new trailer. So the new trailer for the uh, for the the. The next and well, I guess it's the last season, the final season of the series, mm-hmm. um, is uh, is out now. So I figured, you know, I, I started watching them over again. I started back from the first season because uh, Crave is now offering a kind of cool deal where they they've got all six seasons uh, available for like if you just have the basic Cra- Crave package, you can go and you can go and get it there, um, courtesy of Bell Media. Not that I'm a big supporter of Bell Media, well, there's, I think we there's all no know courtesy that.
0: here. They want your visa number. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Yeah, don't don't get me started on Bell.
1: Yeah, yeah. The uh, red herring alert. Yeah, full supporter of Huawei. Okay, just, okay. the Huawei is listening.
0: Proud supporter of the Bell so, Bell Wireless Telecom. yeah
2: uh, Kingston? Well, you have to go Huawei and then Huawei don't forget about going
0: that wallway <laughs>
1: that way uh, only in that nor- way. only
0: north of Kingston they talk like that
1: yeah <laughs> it's not not untrue so are we still recording now are we back to recording we haven't stopped oh we haven't stopped okay so I'll just do all the editing all right that's fine no problem <laughs> you could get to relive um, this moment just flag it so so all right so the new trailers out I figured uh, and I, I so I started watching the seasons all over again whiskey you said you had already finished watching all of the seasons I'm kind of going through it uh, going through it myself but I, I I had a thought about game of Thrones and and it's kind of interesting because you're watching these uh, watching these characters do all these different things on this show and Game of Thrones really is I find uh like it's like a master class for leadership so I thought we would spend a little time we could talk about leadership um we don't necessarily have to use all of game of thrones but i uh, just for the topic because we can we could talk about any kind of leadership or, and and use whatever anecdotes or whatever we want but i figured uh, game of thrones because it's you know so popular and this is the this is the closing season to a series that has lasted for about eight years now eight eight to nine years um, that uh, we could use, we could use it as a platform to talk about uh, a, uh, a subject that I don't think gets talked about too often.
2: What leadership or Game of Thrones?
1: Leadership.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll make I'll make the first um, statement. I guess. Be resolved that Donald Trump and Joffrey have the same leadership style.
1: You think they have the same leadership style? Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> it's really
2: big. It's really big. We're gonna bring some dragons. Yeah. Great time. We're gonna put we're gonna wall put a wall around it.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna build a wall. Build the wall. Make we have this tall. ice wall. We have
2: prisoners to take care of it. It's really big. It's really big. I,
1: I like
0: it. It's good. It's it sounds, not bad. <laughs> it sounds like a good idea. Let's get the
1: let's get the immigrants to man the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Is wait are the are the wildlings and the uh, White Walkers a metaphor for immigrants?
0: <laughs> they could be. We again this analogy. I think we could we could really say the migrant car- the way the migrant caravan was was portrayed and his response to declaring emergency on immigration
1: could be pretty close. <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, that's a slippery slope. (laughs) Well, they are a reflection of
2: the times that we live in. So they just don't draw these things upon just their imagination of fairy tales.
1: White walkers are a reflection of the times that we live in.
2: Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Well, I'm saying writers. They just don't come up with this stuff. They use whatever times that they're writing in as uh, the basis they create their stories. Uh,
1: yeah, I could I could uh, agree with that to an extent.
2: I'm just For trying sure. to remember the damn friggin' movie series that was like three hours long per movie right now, and I cannot remember it.
1: That would probably be Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, yes. So wow. Lord of the Rings. You forgot? You forgot? Like the the trilogy of the century. The trilogies of the trilogies. There's like three trilogies. <laughs> I well, like, um,
2: <laughs> but the point being is, it was uh, written based on the times of World War One and the and the the crap that those generations that generation had to go through.
1: That's very true. That is actually very true. Because yeah. uh yeah. I mean you just look at they're actually coming up coming out with a a biopic on J.R.R. Tolkien. And that actually looks kind of interesting. Like they're gonna show his experiences in the first world war and the comradeship that he had with his three other buddies. All right. Um, All right,
0: coming back to yeah. our topic of of uh
1: of leadership. Yeah, <laughs> of leadership. <laughs> Game <laughs> of Thrones. We, and we have a bad habit of chasing squirrels when Smokey's on. We gotta. <laughs> and the, uh, got the, the row, and, and the horde from the so- horde from the
0: north, in this okay. case south, uh, the South American, or sorry, the Pew Hispanic Center estimates between six and seven million immigrants come to the United States every year illegally. I figure that's a fair amount. Between six and seven. I don't know. Million. I don't
1: know what to think about that. I would say that's a lot. So
0: are they the are they is the, that, is are they the wildlings? Is
1: that a failure of leadership?
0: <laughs> but are they really the White Walkers? Or are they actually like the wildlings? I would say they're more like the wildlings. Okay. That. Yeah. Okay. Because they, you know, the wildlings are bringing their families and the kids with them, right? I would yeah, say that's, and they're they, well, they're
1: they're trying to steal from small children like Bran Stark. In the in the first season, there was a couple of wildlings that got caught. Got caught. They're trying to steal uh, steal Bran Stark's horse. Oh, While well, no, he was I, like, well, wow, he was like, hemmed into
2: that. it. <laughs> I think the I think the South Americans are the White Walkers. <laughs> they're the they're the evilness that's going to take over their country, and that's the way that uh, someone like Trump portrays it. Where it's black or white, there you're either with us or against us, and the wildlings are those. The people on the fence, they're the the border town people. No, unfortunately, so that's the wildlings and, like and wildlings.
0: and I agree you know? with you the, the first the first pass. I think if you're weak intellectually, that like Donald Trump is, that you you look for the you vilify the enemy, um, or vilify a people to rally somebody against you. I would say it's a leadership style. I wouldn't say it's a great one. Um, Because you really what you're doing is you're vilifying the have-nots, which are the wildlings that are looking for protection from the white walkers that are encroaching on their territory, and you're you're basically causing a mass migration. Whereas a stronger leader would look at the true threat, and really it's it's basically global uh, South American destabilization. The crash currency of Venezuela, the... the, um, the lack of opportunity and safety in, in their own country. I would say that is the real enemy, but they vilify people because it's easier, easier to do that.
1: Hmm. Sorry. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Did I, take, did I just take a bat to something?
1: <laughs> no, I, I think we're getting away from... I think you brought i I'll take a step back. Let's put it this way. You talked about different types of leadership. So maybe we could spend a couple, like a minute or two, just like describing what different types of leadership and then maybe we could go through like some of the key characters uh, who exhibit different, st- different styles of leadership uh, in the series. Um, so... The five big ones that I can that I I, I could look up. I mean, you look at uh, one is like autocratic or like a dictatorship type style. You have laissez-faire leadership. You have charismatic, transactional leadership. Uh, leaders who set goals and try and work with their teams to establish ways to accomplish them. Um, and then you have um, what I read up was a multifunctional style leader. Somebody who is directly involved with their teams and works hard to in- institute a culture of trust and mutual understanding. So I, the way that they explained it was like uh, a dictator would be somebody like uh, like a uh, Joffrey or, as you said, Trump. <laughs> a wannabe. Trump's more of a wannabe. Joffrey is an actual dictator. Um Laissez-faire is like, uh, they, they, the way that this one website described it was uh, Sansa, Sansa Stark, like later on in the series, as she becomes in uh, more positions of, of power, like when she becomes the, uh, I don't know if, she, if she's the actual warden of the north, but she takes, um, uh, she takes over Winterfell again, and she kind of institutes a bit of a laissez-faire style. Charismatic uh, was uh, more of a Jamie Lannister type. Transactional was like a Daenerys Targaryen type. And multifunctional was like a Jon Snow type. That's what they—that's how they explained it. So oh,
0: I would disagree with the, the Sansa one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I this, don't know if I agreed with that either. I don't think Laissez-faire really covers. I would say in the beginning. But she never really was a leader, perhaps. She had oh, the no, title.
1: Certainly wasn't. She had the
0: title. I would. She say, is now. Yeah, but I would say she goes to more of the either facilitative or cross cultural piece because she understands the people of the north. She understands the people of the south, and she looks to set the conditions best for her. So the, I think the scene where the uh, the Winterfell blacksmith is getting ready to to go. To get ready for war, or, or arrival with the White Walkers, and she walks by the blacksmith, and she 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 talks to I forget who it was it's one of her her men at arms, and she says, "Are you gonna? Are, why aren't these covered in leather?" Because in the north, like if anybody's ever done something in the cold, if it's not covered in leather, it's gonna it's gonna strip the heat away from your body. So right, he was making the wrong breastplate for fighting in that climate. So I would say she understood the north and she understood who she was talking to. And
1: yeah. then
0: she used that her knowledge to say listen <clears throat> you're you're setting yourselves up for failure. So I would say I would disagree with that one.
1: Maybe, yeah. How about the yeah. hound? How about the hound? The <laughs> hound as a leader? He's he's uh, he's not even a follower. <laughs> he just does what he's like a uh, a loose cannon. He just does whatever he needs to do to get his job done.
2: He's a big bully.
1: Yeah. I love the Hound though. He's great. I actually took notes on all the different uh characters to the to this to this point. Um I looked at uh so Robert Baratheon. Uh, he's like a warrior. But he fell in love with his own legend and became an alcoholic as a result. Failed as a leader. <laughs> uh, Renly Baratheon, too young, too naive. His heart wasn't in it. He got sold a bill. Uh, he got sold a bill of uh, like he. He became naive um, and got sold a bill by his own lover. Decided to leave because decided to lead because hey, I'm a Baratheon. I should be king. Uh, Stannis. Too military, too rigid, not enough compassion for his men, zero capacity for diplomacy, has no virtue. He literally killed his own gods when we first met him in the second season. Yeah, but like, uh,
0: tie it back to what you're saying, like, as you're listing listening these things. Tie it back to one of the 12 that you talked about. So, Brathen, he was more of an autocratic style Oh, leader. yeah, totally dick, um, dick, dick, with dictator. That, with splashings of, of strategic... Like he wasn't stupid. He he picked battles he thought he could win. Um mm-hmm. whereas Jon Snow, he's he's more of a transformational leadership style or a team leadership where that he he's very
1: much involved
0: in what's happening and he tells everybody why he's doing it.
1: But he also learns leadership. Like he learns hard lessons, especially in the first couple of seasons. Like he learns that you need to be a follower, that you need to put you need to put up with a certain level of bullshit before you can um just go out and just start commanding people. Like he showed up at Castle Black expecting to be, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna run the show here because I know what I'm doing because I'm you know he never didn't necessarily say think that he was highborn, but he came from a highborn family even though he was a bastard. Um, but he, you know, there was a certain arrogance that attended his, uh, his arrival to, uh, Castle Black, but then that got quickly beaten out of him, like within the first few episodes.
0: I don't think the, 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 the it got beat out of him. I think they, he won the respect. Uh, I, I think he still did everything he was, he, he set out to do standing up for the young or, or the, unable to, and recognize their strength for what they were. Not everybody had to be a fighter. And in some mm-hmm. ways, he was visionary in the sense that he brought the wildlings on the other side of the gate and used them to help defend it. That's, I would say, even visionary for for Jon Snow. So, yeah.
2: I don't know. I'm quickly, every time you say stuff, it's, uh, it's reminding me about I haven't watched it. I haven't caught up the speed lately, as much as you guys have. You're slacking but I'm slacking, slacking hard.
1: <clears throat> uh, it is a really good show. You probably should I watch it. That was
2: a really good show, <laughs> but I'm watching a lot of <laughs> other things. I, <laughs> is, Trigger Mike on Netflix. I'm watching that. Um, Trigger
1: Mike? What's Trigger that?
2: Mike on Netflix. I, you talk about leadership. Uh, this is a guy that has... No inclination to want to be a leader, but he is being a leader, and he does it through being an example for his what he calls his people and mm-hmm. leading by that that example. It's not a good one; he's an honest person, but uh he he has like that strong integrity like where you can trust the person and I think that's what it really boils down to You can have a leader that uh, kills a thousand men. But if you know if that's the reason why he did it and you can be convinced of its justness, then that that's a good leader right there.
1: It's interesting. It's
2: for the greater good.
1: You, that raises an interesting question, though. Like, uh, there's a couple of questions. Uh, one of them is, do you think it usually makes for a good leader, one that is a little bit hesitant to lead but understands the implications of... Like the responsibilities that are, that are, that accompany that, that, that that leadership.
2: I never trust a person that wants to be a leader. Really? Uh, Yeah. Huh. I, I always look for someone who is able to. And when you put them in that position, naturally or unnaturally, either with a swift kick in the behind or whatever, they just are able to do the job. You can see people naturally gravitate towards that person, so you can you can put all this down on paper and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, people naturally gravitate towards good leaders. Uh, How good
1: it, leader? I, is, it really it
0: worked out really well for Hitler.
1: Oh yeah. Fuck. Well, you. <laughs> I knew you <laughs> were going to do that. You ass. <laughs> well, and it's funny you
2: mentioned you mentioned that, uh, d bag that uh, waste of skin, but.
1: People are easily led when, when they're in dire straits.
2: Yeah. He brought that country out of out of poverty. Yeah, uh, what he and plunged it back. Was right it 1990, 1930,
1: in. <laughs> sorry, 1990, Jesus. 1933, or I can't remember, it was one of the early years, but I he was named year. as Time, Time Magazine's Man of the Year or something like that, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm not saying, we're, we're, let's be clear here, Hitler was a mass-murdering fuckhead, who put us into a lot of trouble? Okay, we got that. We we'll get that clear. He did a lot of terrible, terrible things. But, and if you're going to talk about how, you know, effective people just gravitate uh, to to a personality like uh, Hitler, I'm going to say it right now. It's when people are down down on their luck, they will gravitate towards anything. I
0: wouldn't say that. I mean, if you, I think, I mean, so. if,
1: if you're drowning, you don't grab onto stones. Um, sure, you do. You'll grab onto anything, even so, if it means drowning somebody else. The stones are at the bottom. Uh,
0: <laughs> anyways, but um, the, the reason why I'm, 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 I'm leading could, you, I'm leading into could... some parallels oh, here. So pump, so pump
2: the brakes because there is a parallel there. Hold on, so, I know.
0: Let me finish it.
2: <laughs> uh, Joffrey, if you if you line up the Hitler with the Joffrey on that one, it's what that what those people. Kind of needed at that point in time, and he was a friggin' shitbag, and he was a horrible person, and he and he did horrible things, and it took his own people to, to kill him, The off him before it went any any worse.
0: Well, his own people didn't kill him, but anyway,
1: he doesn't he doesn't know who killed him. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think you know who killed him, but it's well, who, the people who that killed, him? That killed
0: him. Killed him. Who Tyre- killed him? The
1: Tyrells. Yeah. No, they didn't. Camp. They didn't kill him. Yeah. Did they? Yep. Was the old lady? Was it her? Yeah. Oh, for some. Oh, fuck. You're right. It was. So, anyways, for some it's my reason, parallel in my head that little finger killed him. But no, no. No, it wasn't. it wasn't. Let's go back two steps there. So, the parallel I wanted to to, to, to
0: bring to light here was you said the yeah, love you of brought the. brought f- Hitler up, man. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> the love of, of a character and the rallying of a country behind a character is in some ways um, like Ned Stark. I mean, you. Because when he wrote my conf, they 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 he, they people felt that he was representing the people, the representing them well. And Ned Stark kind of did the same thing. Like he, oh, he's virtuous. No one ever undermined the credibility of my, my fear,
1: right? So I struggle. Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, I'm just saying. You're not time. comparing Ned Stark to I, Hitler, are you? I totally am. <laughs> It didn't How dare it? you?
0: Struggle to, struggle to struggle.
1: How dare you slander Boromir like that?
0: <laughs> but the end result was the same. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stabbed in the back or caught his head off? Both. But no. Both. Um, oh, man. <laughs> but look
0: at that, though. You start saying, this. whenever you're like a peer anything, it comes back to haunt you. So... If you're a pure idealist, um, and everybody's willing to follow those certain ideals, or they they they, they co-value, I think there's some interesting play there.
1: But what I wanted to get at is when but it, Ned Stark's failure was that he was too pure. He yeah. was too on like he was too much of a soldier, according to some of the other characters. Like Cersei pointed it out to him. He was too pure. He was too honest too willing to trust and like he got burned by that i know if you would just slow down a second i would ask my question (laughs) he's a good he's a good leader for soldiers but he's not a good leader when it comes to the politics of the realm right and you need to be able to maneuver around both if you're going to be in charge of a country because there's there's civil discourse and then there's the military aspect that that happens as well and he couldn't navigate both. He could only navigate one.
2: All right, so to play this safe, why don't we uh, draw our parallels to what uh, George R. R. Martin actually based much of the Game of Thrones on, and that was medieval Europe.
0: Actually, okay. actually where I was going to go with my long built-up plan <laughs> that everybody keeps just jumping in, just, just recognize there's a question here. When does a leader... When is it okay to change your values based on the circumstance? Because as Hillary Rose, he signaled a certain amount of values for the people. Ned Stark built up a credibility of being a certain way. But like uh, Smokey pointed out, and uh, it changed when he he moved along. And when... um, Rocks pointed out, it's like, okay, that works in certain circumstances, but doesn't work in others. And there's other uh, environments you need to, to do it. But when is it okay for a leader to start changing his really outward facing values?
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Everything else you want to interrupt. Now I ask you a question, you got nothing.
1: When When you <laughs> play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I just did a quick little Google search on uh, like the, the parallels, so the seven major parallels between uh, Real World and and Game of Thrones, and a, a really interesting one here is the Joffrey one, and they are, jeez, I keep on jumping up and down here, ah, uh, oh, gosh darn it, Edward wow. of Lannister, Lancaster. Uh, son of King Henry the Sixth.
1: I am not familiar. I wish I was.
2: Oh, no, I know near am I, but I just find it funny that he he uh, really pushes down into our own history to pull some of the sick shit out of our own history and throw it right back in our faces. Oh, so no, that's also not a bad Ill-
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right.
2: So it's also an illegitimate son. Um, uh, touch of madness. Oh yeah, the, the little sprinkle of madness on there. And uh he uh really liked lopping off heads, what this person said. So yeah, so it's if we look at at the Game of Thrones and we're and we're seeing similarities, it's or we're like, oh that, that can't be that's out of control, like the Red Wedding that everyone stopped watching because of, that was based on a real event as well. Mhm. So it's it's just showing you how sick and twisted and how well if you want to take the the leadership side of it how the pressure of leadership can push you to do crazy things for either yourself to keep your throne or for what you perceive as doing it for your people Mm -hmm. to maintain the kingdom quote unquote if i had my camera turned on you could see my air quotes (laughs) Dang well, no.
0: It. You bring up, and that's what I'm trying to get at is, when <clears throat> when when does that paradigm shift? Because you mentioned that you know, the people that are, you you tend to follow, are the ones that you must uh, or tend to be shy away from leadership, but really, once you are are a leader, and you and you shift between what's good for me, what's good for, or what's good for my kingdom, and what's good for my reign. And sometimes there's a divergence of values there, mm. and and I think we see that in, in, in Game of Thrones, where you start realizing that, um, that there's a religious movement that goes on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget what they
0: call themselves.
1: Well, uh, I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember the name. But that was like a shining example of what not to do in leadership, and it was specifically targeted at Cersei. Now Cersei herself like she's a if you want to look at different personality styles of leadership um which most leadership styles that you see in game of thrones are personally personality driven i think is unavoidable because um, we're talking about you know a fictional universe or whatever but you look at a character like Cer- cersei she bets everything on her strengths she never learns any of her weaknesses and she doesn't contemplate like long-term effects over, uh, for in order to achieve short-term gains. So she always tries to get rid of her enemies, but she doesn't contemplate what that could happen. What could happen over over the long term? And one effect of that was, you know, for example, she gets rid of Ned Stark. All of a sudden, her kid becomes king, and he wreaks havoc upon the kingdom, especially within the local area. She. Yeah. This... Continues to do shit like this, Cersei and now you've got get all these of... religious fanatics who are who are basically running the show. Cersei didn't kill uh, Ned Stark. No, but she, she created a situation where it could happen. Mm. She killed her husband, and like she didn't directly do it. She she let it play out. She she allowed the whole situation to play out, where her husband died. Robert Baratheon died, even though he was out uh, drunken hunting and all that kind of stuff. He died as, as a result of that kind of, uh, behavior or whatever, that activity. And she, she just didn't give a shit. She let that thing happen. And then when Ned Stark was going through and finding out, uh, all of, all the shit that was been going on between, uh, Cersei and Jamie and he was trying to expose that, um, she basically tore up, like, even after uh, Baratheon's death. Um, Ned Stark has a written proclamation from the now deceased king, and she just tears it up in front of him and sets the tone for the next, uh, for the for the events that are about to happen.
2: Well, isn't it kind of funny, though, that uh, the season starts with Ned Stark, or season one starts with Ned Stark beheading a person for the greater good of the of the the kingdom because rules must be followed. Yeah. And he follows the rules, the expose someone and they kill him.
1: Yeah. You, I never really thought of it that way. It's a really good point. <laughs> well, it's the it's well, it sums
2: up the friggin title really where yeah. people sneaky, sneaky people with lack of integrity and are have no place being in um and a role that is important enough to take care of people and take care of a kingdom, uh, they do things to preserve themselves. They won't do things to preserve what they're there for or what role they're in there. They do everything to preserve themselves and the role that they fill.
1: I think that brings up a really good point, too, because I, I heard a saying a while back. Um, it was uh, It was talking about groups of people, and the idea is that an altruistic person will be defeated by a non altruistic person, by a corrupt person or whatever, every time. Yeah, so let's go
0: back. here. Can we go back for a second? Well, I
1: was just going to finish my no, point. No, no, no. I thought it was it, good. It, I had a really good point. And, and I thought people would like just, to know. Just,
0: just watch. Just watch, okay? <laughs> but you guys are talking about the same thing over and over again. Is that <laughs> no, when, we're not. It, when is it different when a, a person changes their values to protect their reign? or protect their kingdom because they are not always the same. And when we talk talked about Cersei Lannister and how she she never adapted. She all the, the only thing she did was to protect her reign. She never protect the kingdom. Joffrey, well, he wasn't much of a leader.
1: Um but Greatest when, leader, Not necessarily her reign, but her herself and like her family. To keep, maintain, like, I don't know, she carried on lessons from her father, from Tywin, who was all about the dynasty, but she did it in different ways. She cared more about, I think, her own power, but not necessarily the longevity. Well, I could be wrong on that, because here she is, fucking (laughs) her brother, and uh, Lancel was another one. She was screwing other people with, like, cousins and all kinds of shit, so she could continue on the dynasty by creating more incest incest progeny. No, she she was narcissistic,
0: and that was the problem. She liked okay. fucking her twin because it, uh, to me, anyways, she liked fucking her twin because it was a re- he was a reflection of her and that because they're twins, yeah, right? So, but she
1: also did that with Lancel, who was like just a weaselly little guy. Was her serving cousin. under Baratheon before, uh, before he went like fucking all uh, zealot on on them <laughs> with the religious group. Yeah, but so it, we'll that was a pure support. So are you
2: talking about um, the difference between like when is it right to yeah. preserve your own role or when is it right to preserve the the
0: greater good?
2: What's, uh, where are we going out here? Because
0: there's no, there's no, isn't always a greater good. Because sometimes you're going to have to do things to protect your reign for the long-term greater good, if in your language. And then there's sometimes you have to focus on the kingdom, and sometimes you have to do both. Um, and the reason why I bring it up because it. You mean
1: like SNC lavalin Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I couldn't help myself. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> I
2: got a half inch drill bit that I want to show up the ass of the friggin'. Oh, man.
1: Self
2: preservation at its finest. But what do you mean we're not allowed to bribe Liberian- Libyan government officials? What do you mean?
0: Well, that, that that's more complicated than that. Be, it is. It we, is. We, it's a
1: very complicated situation.
0: Bribes in some places in the world is a perfectly normal thing.
2: I side with the RCMP on that one where we should be pushing our values through the companies doing business outside. Oh, so you're, if so you're saying we're supposed to impose our values on somebody else. Take rides, oh. Then we shouldn't do business
0: there. But That's, that's yeah. a very point. <laughs> but are, when is it okay for you to shift values to protect the reign or protect the kingdom? Are we protecting the values of ca- ca- Canadians or are we
1: there to make money for shareholders? If if you could, if you stand to lose eight thousand jobs, I mean, you're gonna want to protect those people, right? There's no documented risk for those people. Yeah, yeah I know, I know, I know.
2: And you but know what? If if they lose the contract, there's going to be another shell company that's created anyways, and those eight thousand yeah. people will just get another job.
0: Coca-Cola, so, yeah. Coca-Cola is notorious for pro- offering bribes in all parts of the world to do business. Yeah, why, is it, yeah. why is it? Why is only SNC Lavalin because it's a Canadian company, or is it, or is oh, it yeah. Coca Cola, which has distributors all over the world? Like, I think we need to put this in the contrast of all the other companies that are doing. There is it normal, or is it just because this one's because SNC Lavalin got pinched for doing something really wrong?
1: I don't know. Yeah, but see, I don't know. the only thing I do know what I can say about uh, SNC Lavalin this whole situation. Um, It's a good uh, it's a good lens um, that we're seeing, like our system is working, which is good. It's a good news. Like there's people out there who are trying to um, they're trying to establish transparency. They're trying to establish accountability um, for those who work in government and those who those who would do business with with Canadians. So that to me is a good sign. I agree,
0: but I, I the other part of this dimension that we, I, I really want to uh, bring to light is look at the way people exit these things. It's it's because we're talking about fiction and theater. <laughs> look at the way they exit. It's like this is all terrible. This is all work. This is all hyperbolic, and you know we want to talk about this with gusto, and we do this in the, at the time like when we the federal government's trying to lead and still trying to push some values um, about, you know, apologizing for the Inuit tuberculosis handling uh, uh, process um, that happened some time ago. And during the apology, one of the reporters asked a question about SSC Lavalin. Like, there was no understanding of where they were, the decorum of what was actually happening. They're just focusing on the, the click news, Well, Uh,
1: interesting.
2: when it comes to that, I think the whole apologizing for everything is is run its course. Everyone thought or everyone has a perception of when you apologize for something, that means you're going to change what you do.
1: Yeah, you would hope.
2: And you're taking responsibility for your actions and you're going to steer the course.
1: It's like, don't apologize for it. Don't do it again.
2: You know? Yeah. It's we're going to apologize for this. And make sure you don't see us doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. But we're still doing it. And and in all honesty, I don't. That apology is worthless to me. Absolutely worthless. As a Canadian and as a person that wants to raise children in this country, it is absolutely worthless. Because I would much rather see that friggin' pretty boy roll up his sleeve, say, "Hey, we got the resources to actually improve <laughs> water up in these." remote communities. Let's do that. And while I'm up there, okay, guys, I'm actually really sorry about how we've treated you before. Let's make an effort to do this.
0: But what is happening? But there's not. What going on? Yeah, but they, no know what they are. So what happens is when you're a leader and bad things have been happening, the first thing you use, you, you have to acknowledge past mistakes.
2: Acknowledging and apologizing are two different things. You need to I don't know. want someone apologizing for someone else's uh doings what's happening you need to understand what's happening too but three or four generations ago when the mindset was completely different where the they were actually thinking they were doing good and then people undermined their leadership positions and did some really bad things in a position that they really shouldn't have
0: been in no, but <laughs>
2: bad leaders yeah. no,
0: let, let's be more specific here because you raise some interesting points so it, when, once you're a leader, and there are you walking into a situation, and you recognize there's a past, and part of the things that they're trying to get past was the Inuit distrust of government and medical facilities. So mm. TB is rampant, STDs up north are rampant, mainly because they refuse to trust healthcare people. So in order to get those rates down, because one of the target, one of the problem with Aboriginal populations is they're Education uh, and s- sexual health, re- reproductive health, and then just general overall health care is a challenge in these remote locations. So there are more that this trust is bred into these situations. So because of what I'm so saying
2: is it should be a priority to get these services up there and have a remote yes. education system set up. Maybe it, but he, centralize
0: it per province. A centralized, yeah, because centralization and always works. There's a distributor <laughs> that is trustworthy to the government.
1: We don't have anything like that already? I thought we did. We well, do. I'm
2: just making note that that's exactly how the residential school system was brought about.
0: Oh, uh, wow. No, well, we have well, health. Uh, that's how our health care works. Don't
1: even. <laughs> See, be careful with that. I wouldn't go that far. We've Okay, so the, the school. residential school system, yeah, okay, but there's also there was a a religious bias attached to it it's like there's a certain way that you people should uh should uh, adopt and it's our oh, way of I'm, life I'm and and, and that's that. not that we we know that it we know that that's not right you can't just you can't do that that's why we, we have we'll human we rights that's yeah that's why that's we have how. freedom of expression or not freedom of expression whatever it's called but we have, but we have charter, uh, that's why we have the charter of rights and freedoms in the first place right
2: well, this was all brought out before the Charter of Rights of Yes. Jesus.
1: Oh, I know, I know. But that, that was a lesson learned. But, I mean, uh, how, how do you build a trust? Really you can't build today, up a service
0: too. unless no one's going to actually trust the service.
1: So, What's that? Say that again? So
0: you can't build up a service. You can't build up a core clientele with the, health, uh, with the health community unless you have a bit of trust. And this situation is what was identified as one of the sticking points with the Inuit people. Hmm. So, because so how they, do you
1: build trust?
0: Because the acknowledge that it happened, you apologize and look, right. and then the the whole speech is about moving forward, trying to establish these things. Because they, you know, it's a he's our prime minister, and at that level, you have to look at the strategies, and he talked about all the different strategies that he's doing, and really, that's really all you could ask as a leader, and. And if we bring it back to Game of Thrones, it sounds, it, 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 this is not like, um, uh, you know, the, we're not the, the hordes that are going by on horseback, you know, destroying and raping and pillaging. We're like, like okay, uh, you're a remote community. You're north of the wall. I'm
1: trying to see how you're going to equate raping and pillaging as decision-making points (laughs) with how we deal with (laughs) the Inuit population.
2: Because (laughs) follow an Excel spreadsheet and have a documented (laughs) required amount that they need to to gather at every instance.
1: Be very careful what you're saying here. (laughs) But
0: no, we're not because when they when they the Inuit people see us much like that. We walk in. We take what we need and then we leave,
1: right. and
0: then we, we they t- we take as much as we can for ourselves and leave nothing for them, yeah. and then we take their people as slaves or because they don't know what they we do with them because some people never re- returned or, or whereabouts are were always unknown, right? So, or we create a welfare state, or well they they are protected, right? But or we look at them as little pocket people. Above north of the wall, they're making their own way, doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. And when they need help, they come south of the wall, saying, "Okay, we're you're not here to necessarily steal everything, but you, you're you're coming south of the wall because you're in need. We have common problems. Let's say the White Walkers are now viruses, you know? Jesus, right? See, so there's different analogies.
1: <laughs> you're equating the Inuit people with wildlings. <laughs> All right, uh, this will well, be fun to watch you <laughs> go well, down
0: this rabbit hole. Well, think, well, wildlings are
1: hunter-gatherers.
2: They're more like Métis, really.
1: They also carry scurvy and barely are able to clothe themselves appropriately.
2: At the end of the day, when it comes down to our, our native population, we have identified already previous in previous administrations that we've had shortcomings yes why is it so important that this freaking pretty boy has to apologize for it is it is zero in my opinion absolutely zero it's already been identified it's already been written down Mm. the time for action is now they they're crying for help like we shouldn't be now coming in and be like well you know we're sorry for everything that happened they're like no fuck off like we're dying up here
1: so what 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 form of what form does that help take in, in in your in your opinion, if you're if you were a leader in this situation, what form does that take?
2: Well, for our own people or for Joffrey, you know, Game of Thrones. <laughs> so for our own people, that means mobilizing the resources that we have now. Right. The justification is a, It's an emergency why are we sending millions of dollars overseas when we can barely take care of our own native population?
0: Well, that's a false dichotomy. Other people,
2: other countries should be looking towards us, as they already do, as an example.
1: As, and, as and whiskey would our own say... native
2: population like shit.
1: As whiskey would really say, that's a, a false dichotomy. <laughs> Pardon? As whiskey would say, that's a false dichotomy.
2: Yeah, and, and at this point, I, I'm, I'm not one to look into the books and try and justify my actions based on a theory from uh in economics class. I like me personally, I see an issue and I want to mobilize whatever I can to help them because at the end of the day, wherever we are, we are an overall we're just a big tribe. And if we can't mobilize to help ourselves, to help each other, then we build this this culture of distrust. And I, I... we we have that distrust growing between us and the native populations. But there's also that distrust between uh, central Canada, Western Canada, between uh, uh, English and French-speaking uh, Canadians. Just right now, the flavor of the day in the media is between the the natives and non-natives. And-
1: I I agree with you to an extent, but like the whatever form that help, let's say call it help, whatever form that help takes um, towards those communities, how you know what guarantee do you have that it's going to be received very well? Because I've worked up in those communities, and you know what? Like, there are there are uh, First Nations uh, people who decide to leave the resort, they decide to go down to places like uh, like Winnipeg and, and whatnot, and they immediately get ostracized from their community. They call them uh, like the the word that I heard used is they call people like that red uh, red apples. Red on the outside, white on the inside. That's, that was a, that was a term that they used for this. It's like so how receptive do you do you think those um, like the reserves of the, like of the reservations of those communities? how, how receptive do you think they're going to be to whatever policies get that get put in place at the federal level to stimulate and help those those micro economies right? Yeah and the, I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, and and it's a, add in, a genuine question. Adding oh, the yeah. more complicated and, and parts it comes of this, do you look at where they
2: have uh, water issues? A lot of these communities have water issues. Like they're they need that immediate support where people go in and fix the issue to deliver clean, fresh water in our own fucking country, and then you follow up with the long term support of developing that culture and the training. So they can take care of it themselves
1: we, we def- no I like definitely we have a third world country within Canada
2: uh, we have a we have a moon we have a fucking moon within All right, our country. can
1: we
0: no like, just stop the drama part so like you, you need to like understand it's a much much more complex situation than that so one of the things the federal government does it and the, it gives money to the bands for them to operate, and then one, they use that money to do whatever, what they need to do with it. The problem right. that the reserves have is that once they get, they have degrees, they typically don't always come back to the community to work with them. All right, so there, there's issues there. So when you're trying to develop a band, because when we when they set aside the the quote unquote reserves, they didn't exactly always give them the best land for that to happen. Yeah. So they're already disadvantaged as they are. Then you're saying, okay, federal government, go in and put a whole bunch of infrastructure there so they can have all these different things. But the problem is when you, when you just impose that on a community, what's the long-term plan? Because yeah. now you're occupying their reserves to provide these services. Our solution is... So you're sure you so Smokey's problem, idea just of just walking in and, and putting it. up all these, these well, buildings. Well,
2: money's been working for the past couple of decades, and I, I say was, that with the most snarkiness in my voice, <laughs> because there's billions of dollars that have been wasted, unaccounted for, unaccounted for money.
0: Yes, but and, you're
2: giving, you're giving the money to the reserves to, again, to do what right they need to, to do. Integrity and trust, where the normal person sees, yeah, we're supposed to get this million dollars for our people. I see my house without siding on it.
0: Yeah, but the, you give it the money to the <laughs> band, and the band builds it. The the the, the 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 Aboriginal people, when they live on a
1: reserves, don't own the land. And they own own the own the house. The you don't band. have that guarantee that the band is going to build that though with the money that's given to them. They don't. Well, well, there's also the the very real possibility, and it has happened when, say, a band chief takes that money and they 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 turn corrupt. They do they they take that money and they run basically.
2: Totally. This, this was solved uh, by a couple bands uh, in Quebec and in BC where they took the money, they saw this massive corruption and all that, and they saw that the federal government wasn't helping them. They're just like, here's some more dollar-dollar bills, y'all. Solve Mm. it. It's your problem. It's not ours.
1: Dollar-dollar bills, y'all. Okay, good. Carry on.
2: It took a couple great leaders out of these communities to give their people common goals to work towards. And now you have, uh, I know there's two bands in Quebec. I'd have to... Uh, strike up the Google Monster on this one. That have turned themselves around are profitable bands uh, because they looked at the natural resources that they have in the area and they started exporting them. Started educating their people towards uh, the mining and the and the getting getting that
0: resource to market. Yeah, hmm. you know, listen, what you're saying isn't a new thing. Like I, I when I build houses up north, in northern Manitoba, yeah, there's some communities that have and some that don't. But the mm-hmm. problem is when you saw the residential school system, and a whole bunch of other—you got the Inuit TB—where they are starting to pull people out of the community. There's less likely for that leadership to exist there, so yeah. it can develop and foster, and do think grow in a positive way. Checks and balances, but I mean, there's there's a there's a balance the federal government has to do, in order to m- make them all, because as you see, not all the bands are equal. And the second piece to this is that you're, you're saying that we have real problems. So, we, so let's, let's, take a, let's just take stock here. If the federal government walked in and started imposing things, it's now imposing its white person culture or its Canadian culture on a First Nations reserve, what everything should be. I th- and then it has to look at going, okay, how do we work with you so whatever solution we do is sustainable? There has to be an exchange, and exchanges are built on trust. So if we're going to do stuff as a leader, you need to step up going, okay, we messed up, and he's done systematically, looked at trying to get Aboriginal people on side with him so the federal government can do be more maneuverable in that space. But if they don't trust anything he says, well, it's not going to go anywhere. So even if he does a half-assed job of looking after their issues is gonna be far further ahead than if he had not done it at all. And when we say, well, we got we should put our money, you know, over there instead of over here, well the government prints money. Just, hmm. it, it doesn't matter where the money comes from. And it's not this or that. Okay, you can put a million dollars into the aboriginal problem when it's in the billion dollar uh, bracket. It ain't going to do nothing. It's in the tens of billions of dollars. Last I heard was a $20 billion problem. And if you throw a million dollars at it, it's not going to mean jack. Um, <clears throat> so we need to understand these the space and the scope and size. And the problem is if you give with one to one reserve, you're disadvantaging another well, guess what? That doesn't fly because now you're showing favoritism. So it's it's a complex space. And if we just throw saying, I oh, we should just solve all these problems. Well, wait, wait. The government doesn't... Would you be mad if one reserve sued the government because it showed favoritism? Like, we need to look at this in a... It, it needs to be a, a whole... If you say podcast, I'm going to
2: hit the end button here.
0: (laughs) It's a whole podcast
1: on it to itself. Let alone just a a session. I just wanted to talk about Game of Thrones.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this would be the Game of Thrones because this is an inherited problem that I'm looking at the census from 2011. The numbers are just increasing from there. No one does anything about this, and because it relates right back to that, I just want to preserve my own power. I don't want to do what's right for my community. I don't want to do what's right for my for my country. So it does run right back to that whole uh, Celeste or whatever hell her name is, Cersei. Um, C- yeah, Cersei's. <laughs> where the whole all every season you see her and her slimy little friggin' uh, self sleeping with whatever she can to stay <laughs> in power and to do her her little tit bits of. Of uh, help to just keep what she has, and I think that really reflects on what we
0: have in politics today. Well, so, I'm so just going to do the tidbits of. You got a good of, point there. So I think it's 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 more like uh, the Valerian coming up from uh, from uh, across the waterways where she's freeing the slaves.
1: I, I okay, th- hang on, hang on, hang what? on, hang on. You're talking about Targaryen. <laughs> Targaryen. Sorry. Like, let's let's get our facts <laughs> straight here. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? I forgot her name. Something imaginary.
0: I will nerd you
1: every time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so Calis. So what? Calisi. What, what? Okay. Well,
0: take it's it not, easy. It's not. Take it's not it not a French
1: swear word. It's not Calis. It.
0: <laughs> I was swearing, <laughs> but anyways, um, but when we look at the business side of this, and, and what 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 we see in businesses right now. As every other demographic he loves is doing this, I know. Is plateauing. Except for Is this for... from
2: your thesis piece? What? <laughs> or sorry, your PhD?
1: No. He doesn't have a PhD yet. You're like okay, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying
2: to throw y'all.
0: <laughs> I'm looking for the intelligent part of what you said. Anyways. Oh, no, that's fair. <laughs> So, anyways, what we look at it, is that every other demographic, for the most part, is actually stagnant. The population explosion of the aboriginal people is massive. It's massive. It is, in Canada, we can't immigrate people fast enough. We can't hire people fast enough. We can't have enough kids. The only people who can have enough kids are the aboriginals. Okay? There is, and, and if you pair that with the fact we have a labor shortage in Canada right now, where we are, we would manufacture more stuff. We just can't get enough people to do it. <coughs> you just, just look at that. They're there. They're asking for work, or they want asking for opportunity. A lot of them, and we're desperate. So, you, you think as a government, and when, when you're trying to manage a country where you have all these people that are un, uh, unemployed in the rural areas, and then in the urban center, urban more urban areas, we're just starving for people, but. Look at that divergence. You're like, how can I get them to trust us enough so they can work in, our, in, in, a, in an environment where they feel comfortable? But there are barriers. One is health, two is education, and three is opportunity. So once you bridge those pieces, and that's what's ha- if you see what's happening, is that once you start picking these pieces away, you'll see, that, uh, see a more transfer of, of wealth happening. So, you you, and because we can do that, it's like our economy can support them. I think that's what's going on.
1: But you're not going to, as soon as I hear the words transfer of wealth, I start accusing you of being a goddamn socialist. (laughs) Commie. Oh, sorry. Didn't you just say equal opportunity for everybody?
0: (laughs) I think we're sitting in the same trench there, buddy. I'm kidding. I'm (laughs) kidding. I'm kidding. Continue on with your rant. Everything you just
2: did, I want half.
1: We get paid taxes oh, yeah. first,
0: um, <laughs> but but, I, 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 but these are massive systems here. You can't just say, "I would rather." I mean, it, it is is a un- immensely complex space. But when you look at the benefits of working with the people, as uh, Khaleesi figured it out, um, the Queen of Dragons or Mother of Dragons, you start seeing Mother that. Mother of Dragons. When you free the slaves, not that the Aboriginal people are slaves, um, when you free people that are have not necessarily all the wealth to do things, but you give them opportunity to to, to participate in the economy and ha- be individuals within that or groups of individuals, however they choose to, to, to participate in the economy, mm-hmm. I think there's great, great opportunity to be Canadians and... The only way we can really do that is if we just acknowledge, okay, I'm not... Yeah, Daenerys finished. is a Canadian? What? <laughs> I'm not going to... At least he's Canadian? She's <laughs> very so polite. Um, but we,
1: <laughs> the only
0: way we can do that is if we say, okay, uh, we messed up. Let's acknowledge yeah, that you know, we're not going to do this anymore.
2: When we acknowledge the census,
0: though. <laughs> well, Harper canceled the 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 census for a while. Uh,
1: uh, I mean, the Harper. I like how you refer to him as the Harper. Oh, like he's like he's he's a burger. (laughs) The
0: the Harper government. How's
1: that? Yeah.
2: (laughs) So this weekend, I just got finished watching a really cool show, uh, Larry Charles' Dangerous World of Comedy. Wow,
1: that's a mouthful.
2: Yeah. So Larry Charles, uh, producer of like Borat and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, there's that monotoneness. Um, I highly suggest taking a look at it because he goes to the most dangerous places in the world. He talks to soldiers. He's talks to people living in war zones, talks to the people that are living in failed countries. And he wants to know how people cope by using uh, comedy. And in some places like Nigeria, the, the people there use comedy to, make, to try and make change political huh. change and it's it's driven from the people to try and make their pop culture change and in Nigeria it's it's the rape culture they're really trying to change and the LGBTQ rights uh, but another part of it a small little snippet was uh, natives in uh, like upstate well somewhere in the states what was it? what's that state starts with an M not Massachusetts Minnesota, Minnesota. <laughs> In uh, northern Minnesota, the native communities
0: up there. Michigan? And hmm? <laughs> Michigan? <laughs>
2: Michigan?
0: Um, Michigan? Yeah, six, nation, six Nations.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh
2: so my they, goodness. they're talking about uh, exactly what we're referring to with uh, the rights, the education, <clears throat> um, their treatment, and how it's a culture thing to put down the natives. And it's absolutely true. So it comes down to not just educating them it comes down to educating Canadians. So apologizing again no again I don't I don't agree with it. It's doing action. It's changing the requirements for education not just for them but for us.
1: Right, I get it. I get it. And, and it's like an not apology an like, apology means nothing if you don't do anything to improve the situation. I know yeah. I get it. I get it. And you can't you can't
2: acknowledge You can acknowledge the situation's bad every day of the week. You can just go ahead
1: and do that. So Um, let's go back to another great show. It's called Game of Thrones.
2: (laughs) You like how I keep on making reference to every show, but the one you (laughs) want to
1: watch (laughs) the show that you haven't really seen. I haven't watched it. You Uh, really, you really should. But this, that makes this more fun. (laughs)
2: You know what stopped me from watching Game of Thrones?
1: What's that? Um, you watched I The Red Wedding. And you own,
2: said yeah, well, I didn't own HBO and I didn't like like streaming. I don't like streaming illegally. Okay. So I stopped streaming illegally and one of my. Uh, law-abiding the citizen, you? Pardon? Look at you,
1: you little law-abiding citizen, you.
2: <laughs> I am a law-abiding citizen. Just like the movie and the remake, some people just snap.
1: Yeah, that that's a pretty extreme example of. Like... <laughs> People who snap. <laughs> you don't have an engineering degree, do you? Oh, <laughs> well, Crickets, that's not good.
2: <laughs> I'm just trying to think of anything I know could be dangerous. No, no, no I'm good. You're good? Okay. Okay, it's so enough.
0: so let's go back to the Inuits, because and, and, we need to be fair here. Let, listen, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm critical of, of everything, so it doesn't matter what party you're for. But when we talked about this apology, it was conceived in 2017 it was signed as the Inuit Crown Partnership, okay? Uh, w- part of that partnership is they, they wanted an apology, and they wanted to open up a database to find out what happened to their relatives, okay? Uh, a database will make records available to Inuit to facil- s- p- facilitate finding family members' grave sites.
1: Kind of like uh, an Ancestry.com, but a little more targeted and specific, or...? Yeah, so null of okay. it
0: means the agreement. Let us find them. Okay. Okay. They um, talked about. I can't imagine. You know, all the emotional stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's mo- there's no dollar figure. They didn't say how much it was going to cost, but they said they'll support the travel costs to tr- help them find families where they're buried, right. and then we'll pay for the marking of grave sites. Okay. So their culture of family is important and paying respect is important. And the government is helping them to do mm-hmm. that. Yes. So it's not water as you talked about, but his end in- in state was like I talked about is trying to get gain the, the, get the healthcare trust back in the healthcare so they can deal with the TB epidemic. Cause I mean, they're, because they're so remote and they live in very confined spaces, Illnesses pass from one person to another person very easily in those spaces.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: 20% Twenty percent of Aboriginal uh, uh, people live in. Um, uh, sorry, crowding is 11%, and homes in major repair 20%. Plus or minus 1% on that. Yeah, it's crowding. 11% of uh, all Aboriginal communities live in a crowded, uh, overcrowding
1: i got a question for you guys, and if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. We can always, you know, cut this out. But um, we talk – so I'm connecting two thoughts here, and it's the two things that we've already ta- discussed. We talked about uh, aboriginal um, issues, and we're also talked about snc leveling. One thing that I've noticed is during all of the question periods and these uh, – what, what you want? To, these proceedings that have happened during SNC leveling At the beginning of every proceeding, uh, every person acknowledges that we're on native land. We're on the land of the Algonquin or the, the, whatever. What do you guys think about that? I I I feel like it's a. Uh, it seems to me like it's. I don't know. It, it like, kind of like, it seems fake to me. Well, Was that
2: part of the drawn up? Uh... Uh, resolution between the uh, city of Ottawa and the Algonquins?
1: Is that what that is? Like, they have to say that every time they go on camera or every time they have some kind of a question period like this, that they have to acknowledge that?
2: Um, I'd have to look it up, but uh, that just got resolved recently.
1: Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like, I don't know. It's... <sighs> I, this is my own opinion on, on the matter, it just seems like a kind of a fake, you know whiskey likes to criticize me for this, but it seems like a fake virtue signaling kind of thing it's like, we're acknowledging that we stole their land, but we're not going to really do anything about it they're just going to continue living out their lives as as we live out our lives right now we're just acknowledging that we stole their land and that's it <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't know. It seems fake to me. It seems like a, a, silly thing. As opposed to doing nothing, I don't know. But that's a whole other rabbit hole. I know. <laughs> we're, well, we're, well, an, we're, I o- we're we're an
0: hour and ten minutes. Are we? Yes, oh. we
1: are. Well, we <laughs> can save it for another day. Hey, like you said, we got a whole other topic that we we, you, we could spend a whole other hour on this whole thing. And, that, and
0: we could spend a whole other hour, and we'd never get done. I mean mm-hmm. the, the the complex is it's it's just a massive problem. Um but I mean extermination is not an option, so we can't do the the Hitler tactic.
1: Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, oh, so ever that, that was even ever an option. Well, I'm Jesus, just what's it. wrong with you?
0: <laughs> what are you? King Joffrey? <laughs> 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 no, I'm just saying is that it's a massive problem, and, and, and we need them. I, I honestly think we need them, and we need people to exist in our we society. Need, we need we, King we, we, No. We need <laughs> yes. Aboriginal people in our society. Like, my my daughter's adopted, and... Uh, She's part. Of we Aborig- need
1: all kinds of different types in our society to make society. No, I get that exactly. So my daughter's Aboriginal, and so don't say that extermination is a fucking no. Option. But
0: you always cut me off. You don't actually listen to the bigger point. <laughs> Jesus,
1: it's we not just a gotta pitch. make that
0: clear. It's not a pitch.
2: No one's trying to cut you off.
1: No, but you know, in this climate, in this political climate, that that. That comment in particular could be taken out of context. You know that, right? Well, completely cut from the whole podcast and say this is what whiskey believes. (laughs) Our our
0: our (laughs) listenership will go up like three billion percent. (laughs) Yeah. What did he really say? Just think, we wouldn't
1: get ad revenue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but my point is, we we need them. We, We need to bring them in. We need to, you know. We talk about educating and inspiring. It's it's like, listen. We we actually need their ability to to work with us, and we have the ability to help them improve their lives. There's 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 interest on both sides to to make it work. Yeah, um, we
1: should just build like a residential program where we can assimilate them into our culture.
2: <laughs> make a <it> mobile though. <laughs> Put it
1: in the Make it mobile, yes. Two wrongs make don't app- make
0: a right. <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll, we'll, make, we'll make an app and we'll put it on their phones. <laughs> whoa,
2: whoa, whoa, that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> we'll call it YouTube. Uh, using current technology that we have right now and and doing an app that is out there for school boards to use to... Uh no, no, what? no. That's uh that's a big no-no in my uh, where are
0: you going <laughs> with this. I think it's so all we ended uh, out. Educate
2: <laughs> just normal populations about so something as simple as religious classes. Like it it boggles my mind how we still have the Catholic school board. Oh, my, we, yeah,
1: he, we talked about that before.
2: We had Smokey has not not listening to like our podcast like that where <laughs> it's we need to teach everyone about all cultures and all religions and all pertinent religions in this in this country. And one of the the top ones that should be taught
0: is native culture and and traditions. So it needs to have visionary leadership.
1: Pardon me. Oh, look at you bringing it right back to our topic. I love it. I never lost it. Never lost it.
2: (laughs) Hey, what was that? (laughs) That sounded delicious.
1: That was a couple of screws hitting the table. Delicious. You're screwed. Yeah, I am screwed. (laughs) 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 I, uh, okay. So, I, I get the feeling that we're we're gonna start to wrap up here. I got nothing more. Okay, I'm gonna go
2: to bed enraged.
0: So uh, thank yep. you, thank you for tuning in. Uh, until next week, I'm whiskey and I'm rocks. Oh, you want me to say something?
2: Yeah, I'm you, smoking. you should. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Your
2: favorite guest star.
1: Hey everybody. Rocks here. I just want to take another moment of your time and shamelessly ask that you like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of Whiskey and rocks. We're currently on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube. We're now on Spotify, and we're continuously looking for more ways to expand. As well, you can help us out even more if you write us a review on Facebook, tell your friends, and even get involved in the conversation. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more 320 Club.